welcome back for another episode of Clean Tech Talk, where we at Clean Technica interview clean tech leaders from around the world. With topics ranging from electric cars to climate change communication, you can listen to our full podcast series by visiting our website at cleantechnica.com. Today's episode is sponsored by Home Efficiency. Hello, clean tech enthusiasts. My name is Scott Cooney, and my company has done energy and water efficiency retrofits for more than 13,000 homes and small businesses, saving our customers more than $3 million a year on their electric and water bills, while also reducing more than 11 million pounds of carbon pollution per year. Would you like to start offering this type of service in your community? Do it for a living, make money? You can. Check out homeefficiency.com for more info. We do flat fee consulting to help you get started with our model, training you, giving the inventory, tools, software, and support you'll need. No royalties, no hidden fees, no sneaky add-ons. You can just get started. Ready to work with your hands and make a difference every day? Do it. Go to homeefficiency.com. Check out. We're here for another episode of Clean Tech Talk. And this week we have Howard Klein from RK Equity back with us to talk about the lithium and nickel and perhaps a little bit of graphite market in the United States and North America, Canada as well. Um, we have we, we talked several times last year uh, and haven't talked since Tesla's battery day. Uh, do you want to give us a quick update on how the market has changed, how, the, how these markets have changed since battery day, since, since Tesla battery day and uh, sort of any, any notable changes and things you see um, on the horizon? Sure. Well, thanks for having me back, Zach. Um, and uh, it's great to talk to you. Uh, battery day um, for, you know, with, with Tesla began lithium, what I call lithium 3.0. I think we've talked about uh, the, the prior, you know, booms and busts that have happened within lithium, but the demand forecast that, uh, you know, implied by, you know, three terawatt hours uh, by 2030 for lithium and nickel and, you know, even manganese and, and graphite and, and, and other metals, but lithium in particular was well above uh, what we were forecasting. Uh, so Tesla alone, if they hit that three terawatt hours, would, would require the, you know huge upgrades to our, our forecasts just for Tesla, independent of that. And then Volkswagen had their power day last week. So that's the, I don't know, the first or second biggest car maker in the world that they're calling a super tanker, uh, you know, redirecting their business to batteries. So they're talking about having six 40 gigawatt hour power plants themselves. So each of those is the same size, uh, about the same size as the Tesla Gigafactory and just in Europe. Yeah. 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 And that's just just for Europe and that's just for Volkswagen. So batteries are the the demand for batteries and, and the build out of batteries is absolutely enormous. And all of those batteries need lithium and they need nickel and various other raw materials. So the demand side of the equation, the the world is recognized that Tesla is selling a lot of cars and the world is moving toward EVs. And the Biden administration win uh, um, in the election, but then most notably when they took the Senate by winning the runoff in Georgia in January has resulted in a huge uh, further demand push coming from the United States. So it, it it wasn't just Biden winning, it was that he has control of the Senate and the House. It's close, but nevertheless, it's assured uh, the green energy build back better Biden administration. Uh, and they already passed 1.9 trillion in you know COVID stimulus, and right behind that is another two trillion or more or th- that they're planning for true infrastructure development, which is very heavily focused on you know clean clean energy. So whereas the U.S. was lagging as, as a country on the demand side policy wise to China and let's say Europe, th- they are now going to overtake. I think. Um, both Europe and and China under the Biden administration 
Um, you know, so th and, and that that demand, like the markets are starting to price that in from an equity market perspective. The demand for some of the commodities like lithium, lithium prices have spiked already just in the last three months. That's actually physical demand driven, and that's been mo mostly kind of China driven. But prices of nickel and prices of copper and other prices where there are futures markets where you could actually speculate, uh, those prices have also gone up. Um, without necessarily the physical market supply demand justifying it. Uh, but that is an anticipation of this very big demand that, you know, that is coming. Rare earths are also, you know, doing very well. So the, the thematic of electric vehicles, batteries, and all things tied to, you know, clean energy, but battery driven, uh, there's also other pockets, which I won't talk to that are, um, like hydrogen, uh, but but the, the battery, you know, thematic is is very very strong, and uh, it's only going to get stronger. And in the equity markets, the special purpose acquisition companies, a lot of companies have gone public. I think we may have talked about one or two over the summer, but now I keep track of all of the EV theme spacs. There have been something like thirty two different. Yeah. Um, companies going public, and these are broken down into electric vehicle companies or battery companies, lidar companies, um, materials companies, and charging the capital formation for that. It's like twenty billion dollars just in the past six or nine months, and all of those companies are you know. So the theme is strong for that. All of that requires what we call the picks and shovels. Uh, aspect of the EV and the batteries are the raw materials. And there's a, still a valuation disconnect from a market, uh, from an equity market perspective. The amount of money going into those SPACs and the valuations that those companies are attracting are much, much higher than the equities that we track and we've talked to you about. So e even though since I last spoke to you, many of the companies that yeah, we spoke about have gone up. Yeah, just but, as a rundown, um, which, which uh, battery-related companies are are pump, I mean, which battery mineral-related companies are public? We've got Lithium Americas. We've got a Piedmont Lithium. Uh, so, what other ones are on that? In, in in Lithium, that in in fully listed in the United States, that those are the only two development companies um, fully listed in the United States. Albemarle and Livent and SQM are producing lithium companies fully listed in the US. In the rare earth space, MP materials. Standard, standard has, lithium has, is not on the market? Standard lithium is not fully listed in the United States. They're listed on like the OTC okay. uh, market, right? Okay. Or the NASDAQ International. If you count those companies, then there are many, many, many more. Um, and those are typically listed, fully listed in Canada or Australia. So yeah, Standard Lithium is a U.S. asset in Arkansas. We talked about it last time, but there's a, a, another company that's similar to it called E3 Metals, which is in Alberta, that's doing a direct lithium extraction technology. Um, that is, again, both of these are main board or, or, or mainly listed in Toronto uh, Stock Exchange or the Toronto Venture Exchange, but they do have an OTC which listing in the U.S., which is fairly liquid. So any American, you know, who has a Schwab or you know um, other account, I don't know if Robinhood actually allows um, OTC trading, but uh, you know, I could trade. I do trade, you know, these stocks through my Schwab account. So yeah, uh, I, I, yeah. I, if, you, if, have... if you, just, just using the stock symbols, I, I do have shares of LAC and PLL, so those are the two that you the, mentioned are fully listed. And those, those are those are three-letter ticker symbols. The the ticker symbols will typically be five letters um, if you're investing through the OTC, and if they're a foreign listing, they'll they'll end in in the letter F um, to, for for foreign. So uh, that's how you can kind of tell. So standard lithium, I forget what their ticker symbol is, but the E threes is like E E M M F and Talon Metals, which is a, a nickel company, which uh, you've interviewed before, is, is TLOFF. Um, so these stocks are, yeah, you can buy them and 
they've been performing extremely well. Something like Talon uh, has, you know, it was 11 cents. I think when I, when we started working with them, we're an advisor to them. You know, the stock is like at 80 cents, you know, Piedmont has gone from $6, I think when we were talking to like $80 um, and uh, you know, Nouveau Monde Graphite's a, a graphite story that's gone from like 30 cents to, I don't know where it is today, but it's been as high as $3, maybe it's not $2 or so. So there's been a very big rise, but these are from like 30, 40, 50 million market cap to, you know, 300, 400 in Piedmont's case, you know, a billion market cap, but MP materials is trading at $7 billion, right. And Fisker and QuantumScape and Hylion and, you know, even Nikola are trading at multi-billion dollar valuations for investment theses, in my opinion, which are as risky or more risky than these picks and shovels plays on demand uh, for batteries and, and EVs. Yeah. So just one quick. So, you know, part of the investment is, you know, long term plays. People say, OK, these are going to be the these are going to be needed in the next 10 years. These companies will do well in this space. Um, Part of it must also be just related to, to short-term expectations as well. Uh, now that we do have um, both the, the Tesla and Volkswagen battery day announcements and the um, administration change, uh, can we speak a little bit about what you think is expected from the administration right now? I mean, we have an inter interesting thing is sort of the, the moderates, the sort of the middle power brokers, middle middle political power brokers are sort of the most powerful people in, in Washington right now. And that includes, for example, Joe Manchin and Lisa Murkowski, a couple of people known for ties to fossil fuel industries, um, not really clean energy leadership, but that might lead, lead, you know, that might lend themselves to being proponents of sort of dirty, you know, uh, hard industry, um, fields like battery mineral mining and in the supporting those sectors. Uh, can you speak about what you what you've seen in that regard, what you think is coming and, and you know, just sort of the outlook, I guess the expected outlook and where you'd like the outlook to be for these uh, for US and, and Canadian policies in these in these fields? Well, thanks for that. Uh, um, Lisa Murkowski would say that she was like this voice in the wilderness um, in, in a lot of her critical minerals legislation passing. Uh, and she was partnered, you're right, with uh, Senator Manchin. But what you now have are partners with them. I've always thought this issue is bipartisan, but the Secretary of Energy, uh, Granholm, I mean, I've just been, you know, completely taken aback by her focus on essentially like an industrial policy, you know, she gets everything that we've been talking about, the, the, the rivalry with China, you know, the outsourcing, and she comes from Michigan. She, she worked under the Obama administration on the bailouts of, of the car industry. She, she, she gets this EV thematic, but she also gets the critical minerals aspect of it. And actually just today I saw a $30 million Grant, you know, she was tweeting about with Joe Manchin, you know, for uh, critical mineral, um, you know, research. Uh, uh, I'm not exactly sure what what it's going to be tied to, but you already you're already seeing it. Um, and Manchin's now the chair of that committee, uh, displacing um, you know Murkowski, and he's from Virginia, a coal state. Uh, yes, he is moderate, but um, I. Again, Secretary Granholm said that there's some $40 billion that has already been appropriated uh, at the Department of Energy that uh, was just sitting there under the Trump administration. And she is very strongly advocating doling out that money um, for various aspects of clean energy, including you know critical raw materials. So uh, I believe that these grants that have been put out so far have been you know, in the fives and, and 10 millions of dollars. But um, under the Obama administration, the, the loan 
projects office were, were lending, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars for uh, wind, solar, battery, geothermal. Um, you know, they loaned money to the Tesla, to Fisker. Uh, not all of them worked out, but I believe that some of those funds in the tens or maybe hundreds of millions of dollars can uh, be applied to mining and chemical projects uh, for U.S. supply. Um, at la in, and what do you the think last... the implications of that are, are going to be then? Well, I think uh, for the lucky companies that are able to get loans from the government, um, they will be very favorable low interest loans. They'll be very good specifically for any companies that are able to, to get that um, if they do indeed happen. But I, I believe that it's likely that some projects will get um, will get funded, but it it, it it depends on the merits of the project. I would argue that uh, you know you don't want you know you don't want lithium cylindras, right? You know, or uh, I think there was some you know solar farm in, in Tonopah, Nevada, that was also a disaster, right? So um, yeah, there were so, so many success stories from that era that were, you know, today are like humongous. For example, Tesla is one of them. Yes. But there was so much political focus on Solyndra, the, the sort of high profile failure, which was unfortunate. But um, but yeah, so we don't want more of that. But but do you think it's going to dramatically increase the the uh, the output, the, the the mining in in North in the US? Or do you think it sort of just helps these companies to be on more solid footing and, um, you know, uh, grow grow faster, but not dramatically so. I think the very bulk of the money will need to come from the private sector. So I, I think more importantly will be um, the way the equity capital markets are funding all of those SPACs, as I said, uh, they will start to fund more lithium, nickel, and other projects. It's starting to happen. Uh, $4 billion has been raised in the past uh, six months just in lithium development companies or four and a half billion dollars so it's happening it needs to happen faster but if you have government support you, you certainly have the vocal support for it but if you also have select um loans being given to select companies it will certainly help those companies get into production faster and it will be you know from a u.s perspective and it's possible I don't know that they'll loan money directly to Canadian companies or, you know, maybe U.S. companies that are, are paired with, with Canada. But I've noticed um, Secretary Granholm was born in Canada. One of the first uh, tweets that she made was uh, to her counterpart uh, in Canada. Uh, uh, Biden's first meeting was with Trudeau uh, in Canada. There, there was a Reuters article yesterday, you know, further U.S.-Canadian kind of collaboration on critical minerals. So uh, in my, I, I actually have, I have your, I have your, your screenshots of these. And so if we end up using this video or, or um, for video, people watching, I'll just uh, do a screen share to those tweets right now, but we can also include them um, in the write-ups. Uh, okay. Interesting, interesting notes. I, you know, I, I, I wonder how many people took note of that as much as you did. This is well, I, I did because we're so focused on this. And like I said, to to it's like what we've been saying, what groups like Benchmark Minerals have been saying, uh, you know, Benchmark Minerals was presenting to Senator Murkowski and Manchin, you know, three times over the past couple of years. But now to have like the megaphone of the Secretary of Energy, who every day it almost is on TV and tweeting um championing this uh, message and this agenda. I interviewed um, Robbie Diamond, who runs a political uh, advocacy group called, you know, Securing America's Future Energy uh, in 2019. And under the Trump administration, it was, it, it was more difficult to kind of like get, get voice. But uh, within two weeks of Senator Secretary Granholm being appointed, she was interviewed, you know, <laughs> by Robbie Diamond, um, you know, and safe just to, and his, their whole mission is getting America off of, you know, OPEC oil. Uh, and, you know, so it's securing America's future energy. So that's been the focus. So 
it, it just shows the weight of this message uh, that that's happening. And we we knew I was aware that there was forty billion dollars at the DOE just sitting there on the Trump administration. And for her to be saying, you know, <laughs> let's push it out the door, yeah. um, is 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 very attractive, uh, but it, it's it, where it's applied um, is going to be interesting because there is a dichotomy as well. Because the Secretary of the Interior, um, Secretary Holland, uh, is the first Native American um, cabinet secretary ever, and issues on the Bureau of Land, like, like what, what she oversees out west have a lot of kind of like Native American considerations, right? So there are projects that are on federal land in lithium, right? That are, you know, that, that, that um, you know, are advancing, but there are people who are, you know, against it, right? You know, the, for yeah. their Native American issues, there's water issues, there's... Um, yeah, I haven't gotten much know, insight they're, they're, into they're, they're, expectations they're, for, for how she will deal with that dual situation yeah do you, have you is it, there any it, uh, clarity or it's or it's sort of up unclear what's it is it's unclear i mean Se secretary granholm um uh as soon as uh holland was uh confirmed which was last week um you know tweeted uh, uh about her i forget what the, her, her her phrase was uh be resilient or um i forget exactly what the um she has a motto, uh, Secretary Holland. But I've watched, you know, there are some Native American issues, in particular on the mining sector, that uh, in her prior uh, jobs, she was um, advocating for the Native American issues. So I, I just, getting DOE funding for uh, federal um projects, federal land projects out West uh, may be more of a challenge, right? Than maybe some other areas. My sense is that the Department of Energy actually likes geothermal a lot. So in my mind, um, and, and under the Obama administration, they actually funded Albemarle to make a lithium hydroxide uh, expansion in North Carolina. So I see, uh, you know, we, we, we've, we'll see if it happens, but I, like, you know, we're, um, you know, Piedmont's in North Carolina, you know, Albemarle and Livent are in North Carolina. They've loaned to North Carolina before these, this is in private land. There are no native American issues, you know, in those States. And, and there's generally supportive, you know, Southern American, you know, industrial, you know, interest in that out West, you have a bit, you have a bit of a different culture. They don't always love the, you know, the, they're not clamoring for the job necessarily. Um, and you know, this is interesting because, uh, you know, Tesla talks about clay, right. But a lot of that clay is in Nevada, right. Which is on federal land. Right. So it, mm. uh, you still do have a lot of big environmentalists that are anti-mining in the, uh, on the democratic side of the equation. And, uh, so as much as Secretary Granholm is, is, is pushing, you know, this kind of green energy and critical minerals agenda, you know, so that, that's why I see a partnership to some degree with Canada as a, a, a means to accomplish both. Like let, let yeah. some of the mining be done. Like, so I'm talking about, I've, I've created in lithium, the traditional lithium triangle is in Bolivia, Argentina, and Chile. I've created this, uh, idea of the North American lithium triangle from Carolina to Quebec to Ontario, because there's a lot of <laughs> hard rock um, spodumene mines there. And spodumene to hydroxide is the most preferred method at present to make those lithium chemicals. So I see actually, if you want secure, sustainable, scalable lithium supply for North America, which also could be sold to Europe, I believe you're going to see a, a, a very significant amount of investment. The Quebec government supporting this, the Ontario government supporting this, the U.S. government will support it. You know, this this hard rock, the hydroxide triangle, um, and and I think the direct lithium extraction. You mentioned standard lithium, and I mentioned you know geothermal, you know, and E3. I think those will be like the two preferred means. Um, for the U.S. government to focus on and investors, you know, increasingly to focus on. 
um, operations clay is still you know also technically challenging um yeah we'll come you know it's, we'll come it's still back not to been proven we'll come back to the tesla stuff i'm just uh i don't want to go too political but um just it's come up so many times i think one uh great aspect of sort of biden's focus as a as a political actor um which i brought up before the election i think he's very practical he's very focused he's very focused on getting stuff done. We say, you know, people complain in Congress, people don't don't get stuff done. It's because it's so hard to get stuff done in Congress. And three day, decades of, of uh, position in there, eight years as vice president, he knows when you want to get something done, how to do it. So he, know, he has the political experience of, okay, this is, you have to make deals with Murkowski, with Manchin, you have to do this, you have to do that. He knows the, the practicalities of getting stuff done in a way that I think people on the sort of the, the right and the left, you know, especially, I mean, on the left, we'll just say yeah, he was not the preferred candidate of many progressives because he was too centrist, um, quote unquote, you know, but it sort of shows he has the ability in that center space to make things happen that probably would be much more difficult for someone on the right or the very far right or the left. And then Granholm is just a perfect case of that. I mean, Granholm is such a practical nuts and bolts kind of, you know, get stuff done kind of political actor herself. And so putting her in that role, you know, he knew this is someone who's going to make stuff happen. This is someone who knows how the operations work on the state level, on the uh, federal level, everything. Um, so it's, it is inspiring. It looks good so far. Of course, we want to see, uh, you know, more stuff, you know, put into action uh, specifically, not just talked about, but um, it looks like it's going in a good direction. I'll just loop back. That's sort of a, a wrap up, but you can come back to those topics. But I want to loop back to the topic of Tesla Battery Day because we didn't talk about it, I guess, um, since then. Um, uh, I did talk with Benchmark Mineral Intelligence people about it and and some other battery, you know, sort of was going across the the sort of battery mineral expertise arena to try to see if everyone's opinions lined up and it seems like they mostly have. In the case of Tesla, they announced far more, um, far bigger goals for 2030 than the market sort of saw coming. I mean, it's sort of, uh, sort of, uh, you know, their, their, their dreams, their ideals for 2030 are humongous increase in lithium and nickel mining, uh, especially for themselves. Um, do you, uh, I mean, and, and that's just like so far beyond what was in the pipeline previously, according to benchmark mineral intelligence tracking, you're tracking, I'm sure. Do you think that that announcement has kickstarted the kind of, uh, has sort of kickstarted greater investment interest in this sector and kickstarted projects and gotten things moving faster? Uh, last time we talked, you know, we had several podcasts where we talked about, you know, it takes five to seven, five to 10 years to build a mine you got to do this stuff early. You got to have the investment world looking at this more seriously. You talked about this at the beginning of the podcast a bit, but can you speak a little bit more about how you've seen the investment world, you know, shift its focus to this specific topic in the past six months or so? Well, it's improving. The valuations of the companies have gone up. And as I mentioned, um, Basically, since August, um, $4.5 billion has been invested in lithium projects alone by my tracking. Th those are you know, public companies. Um, in our estimation, you need 40 to $50 billion. You know, it's a 10 times that number to be invested over the next couple of years um, to meet the prior forecasts, right? <laughs> if, if he's actually going to achieve what he wants to achieve by 2030, then that might be a hundred billion dollars of investment. So, um, I guess as a starting point, do you see that as realistic? The, do you th see that as possible in lithium specifically? I don't have Rodney has more of these numbers in, in 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 top of mind, but if you just take all of the projects that are currently known um, and kind of in the works. Um, you know, you can kind of see your way toward, you know, 2025, 2026 demand, right? But by 2030, either more discoveries need to be made or more projects which are very early stage, which people are 
heavily discounted would need to advance and, and kind of get up and running. Um, if lithium prices really skyrocket, right? So right, right now they've moved, they've more than doubled or they've about doubled, but from an extremely low base. So they're still not yet at a price that will very significantly incentivize, uh, let's say more risky projects, um, which would be higher cost. But that could happen. Lithium prices, you know, which went from five to ten, you know, or eleven thousand dollars. If lithium price would go to twenty thousand dollars, then lots and lots and lots of projects on paper, you know, would be economic at twenty thousand dollars a ton. However, then you have you have the um, issue of needing it, someone it, to <laughs> commit commit to ordering the lithium, right? I mean, that's sort of the. Uh, yes, and. Uh, because if the price is volatile just for one year, the capital markets won't necessarily, um, you know, lend you or, or, or finance you with equity, you know, or debt at that level. Uh, but if Volkswagen or Tesla or someone were to commit at twenty thousand dollars, you know, lithium, then it would go against their ability and their focus to lower the cost of the batteries. And that's just lithium. If the same is true of nickel and and the other. Um, raw materials so, so so you said to 2025 so you think the market is equipped to supply what's expected to be demand uh, by through 2025 correct i think a, a more investment would need to happen uh faster than it is currently happening uh but it, it's the market's moving in that direction where where it's possible but again benchmark and rodney uh you know see shortages as early as 2022 um that's for that's lithium. next year <laughs> it, 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 yeah it is it, it is and uh and it's only so fast that um you know albemol and, and livent and others have slowed down their investments because the prices were really low a couple of years ago and um you know the battery companies and the, and the car companies were not saying you know yeah we're willing to give you a a, a you need $14,000, $15,000 lithium price in order for an album all to, you know, justify making billions of dollars of investments and, and to, to essentially guarantee themselves a 15 to 18% rate of return. But when the price was going down, 6,000, 7,000, 8,000, and Albemarle was arguing, you got to give me 14, 15, whatever. I don't know the specifics of it, but this is our math, right? Um, you, you had this, uh, what Rodney calls a Mexican standoff. Um, you know, because there's a lack of understanding of fully appreciation, you know, by auto OEMs who are used to just buying steel and aluminum and other commodities. Like when I'm ready to order it, I can buy it. Right. So they haven't. So there's a been, been a, a long learning process. So they're making big prognostications and big focus of it. But we believe benchmark and we have been talking about this, that a uh, uh, the limiting factor, you know, will to that EV penetration very well may be uh, these raw materials. And if they are, and if, and if um, you know, Kathy Wood and Tesla and others, um, you know, if, if, if uh, are wrong about the, the date at which the, um, the EV penetration is reached, um, you know, so it may happen a few years later. Right, because you'll have a boom in these resources. Right, the prices will be high. Everyone will start panicking and realizing, "Oh no, um, those guys were right." Um, uh, we need to either guarantee them fixed prices, you know, at reasonably high prices, right, or we have to buy those companies, right. So it's possible that Tesla or Volkswagen could buy mines. If you buy them, you don't have to pay the margin, you know, to them. Uh, you know, for the supply, but that would be, you know, Tesla's already getting into the battery business. They're getting into the cathode business. They're getting into the lithium hydroxide business. Do they want to get into the lithium mining business? Do they want to get into yeah. the nickel mining business? Maybe. And he's, and he's, you know, indicated like they're not really keen to do that, but at the same time, it's hard to imagine them not doing that, especially so, you know, there's, I think confusion, even among very, you know, people who follow Elon and Tesla very closely, um, Elon mentioned in an interview recently with Sandy Monroe that he saw uh, that he, he saw you know about fifty percent EV market share in twenty thirty probably being about right. 
which you know a lot of people who are big Tesla fans and EV fans see 100% EV market share in 2030, which you know when Elon himself is saying 50%, you know that's that's a that's a stretch goal. That's a that's an ambitious goal. That's an optimistic goal. So he he's not indicating that he sees the world changing that fast. I'm sure part of that is looking at the mineral uh, side of things, but he sees Tesla getting to a, a huge percentage of the EV market. I mean, he's he's looking at, you know, a sort of, I mean, let's just be honest, historically speaking, a crazy goal of 20 million vehicles a year in 2030, which would be about double what Toyota and Volkswagen, the leaders in the market have, have been doing annually. And Volkswagen, meanwhile, has its, you know, sort of industry, in terms of industry terms, a sort of ambitious goal of uh, about 5 million in 2030. That leaves, you know, very little market that would leave very little market share for anyone else uh when they're required to have it or pay big fines so it's sort of hard to see how this all (laughs) how this all fits together in one puzzle it looks like people are trying to make different puzzles and they're very different things uh i guess just on the auto side do you see some movement do you see anything you know in the past six months since we've talked do you see stronger movement from the auto world realizing they need to make they need to plan for this differently. They need to have five to 10 year plans for the minerals, for their growth. Or do you think that's still something that's in this kind of Mexican standoff world? I think Volkswagen has been ahead for the past few years um, and they're accelerating that. Um, GM has been ahead among the Americans and they're accelerating that. And you've seen that from uh, announcements of when they want to get to, you know, fully electric. Um, I think GM said 2035 and a few of the other Europeans, um, Ford, uh, you know, with Rivian and, and, and some other, um, you know, with their Mustang that, that's come out, uh, are making advances. Uh, I think with the administration, they got mixed mess. The Americans got mixed messages from Trump. Right. And, uh, you know, the, the states versus federal, um, you know, emission standards. So that's all going to be, they now are on the same page and I think it will accelerate, but I think some auto companies will go out of business for sure. Um, will Tesla just in terms of- w- w- win its market share? Um, maybe. And that's the bull thesis on Tesla that they are going to, it'd be a winner take, you know, most uh, scenario. And, uh, and it very well may be only 50% by 2030. And if they have, you know, if they're making 20 million electric cars, I think the auto industry is like 100 million cars a year globally. Um, and if it's 50% market share, so that would be 40%. Um, there are 20 million cars out of 50 million if half our EVs would be 40% you know, EV market share. Um, that would be very significant, but let's see if uh, all the robo taxi ideas kind of come and, and everybody is, uh, you know, not uh, fewer people are buying cars, right? If, if autonomous takes off, there won't be a hundred million cars necessarily. There might be fewer, a lot fewer, but yeah, that's, yeah, this is, can't, can't really yeah, comment on the, the possibility <laughs> of that. Now you've precisely narrowed that that sort of dilemma when you think about these percentages, these market share percentages in 2030, because people will often forecast up to 100 million by then. But there's a robo taxi dilemma. Well, I'm just, but just to, to sort of nail down on that, I mean, how much are other automakers, not Tesla and Volkswagen, looking and saying, okay, we need to have a five to ten year plan for for minerals if we're going to be alive? I mean, if if Tesla and Volkswagen have big plans and they're like, well, we're going to lock, we're NGM, they're going to, they're going to, we're going to lock up our minerals for the next 10 years so that we can hit our goals. Are other automakers also saying, okay, we're going to lock up our mineral supplies for the next 10 years so we can hit our goals. Or are they saying, well, we're just going to follow the trend and we're going to up it when we need to up it. And we're not going to make five-year deals for, for, for lithium and nickel and stuff. They're very, they're very far behind. Um, so from my interaction with, uh, you know, Volkswagen said nothing really in, in their power day about it. Uh, two years ago, they said that they have secured their lithium hydroxide supply with China's Ganfeng, but they didn't, you know, they had an MOU, but they didn't say that this year. 
they didn't say anything so even, about it. Right? So even in the case of Tesla and Volkswagen, they don't have them locked in, you think? Look, Tesla, Tesla's biggest supplier, the biggest lithium producers in the world are Albemarle and Gadfang. So one American, one uh, Chinese, and uh, both of them supply Tesla with um, a meaningful quantity, but neither of those are publicly disclosed. So I don't know. I don't know the volumes. I don't know the price. Um, but for sure, uh, Tesla is a very big customer of theirs. Uh, Tesla, I think, you, you know, secured Cobalt with Glencore, so they've been forward-looking on that. Uh, recently in the news uh, was Elon Musk, and Tesla is going to be an advisor to the Goro mine in New Caledonia, um, which is somewhat embattled uh, mine that Vale has been trying to sell. So he's an advisor, so he's thinking about, you know, and there's also talks in Indonesia about, about a joint venture of, of some sort. So he's the most forward looking. You're not seeing Volkswagen, BMW announced a small deal with um, Livent, LG Chem announced a small, a small deal with uh, SQM, uh, LG Chem working on behalf, of, I don't know of who, but you're, Tesla still has had a team. It's still Mexican had a standoff field, right? Uh, but I wouldn't even so much say it's 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 not just the Mexican standoff. It's the internal procurement people at the traditional auto OEMs um, are still not set up to understand how to buy lithium, you know, battery raw materials. They're used to buying you know, steel and aluminum and, and they get confused because they, they could read a research report from Morgan Stanley, who, you know, they said lithium is abundant, right? Like until you kind of get into the details and understand the quality it, it's. So they haven't staffed up in the way that Tesla has staffed up. And, you know, that's why Tesla um, Tesla is entering the lithium hydroxide business. Right? Are we going to see Volkswagen enter the lithium hydroxide business? They didn't say that, right? They didn't say that they're entering the cathode business. But they talked a lot about partnerships. Volkswagen talked a lot about charging, right? That, they, they talked about battery and charging, right? Those were the two main focus of their power day. They didn't talk about cathode or hydroxide or raw materials in any meaningful degree, which demonstrates to me, and we know people at Volkswagen and we watch their internal processes that they don't have a, like a dedicated proper, you know, focus on, on, you know, getting ready to sign deals. Um, this is shocking. It, I don't, I can't, I, I have a hard time understanding and believing this, you know, it's like, uh, I mean, just, it's like, it seems like, you know, a Howard Klein should be at every automaker <laughs> sort of scoping out the the next five to 10 years and saying, this is what we need. This is what we need to do to get it. If you want to hit this target for 2025 or 2030, we need to act on this now. I don't really understand how they don't have people in that. Like, I mean, I, I just talked to, you know, people like you and, and Simon Moore and, and, and people at Bloomberg New Energy Finance, this kind of thing. And I, and I have a sense of this. I don't understand how these automakers don't have like a, a top person who's sort of leading this charge to a critical mineral czar. Every, every exactly. single car company needs to have a critical mineral czar and, and a team of geologists and mining engineers. And, um, and they need, if they're throwing money, like Volkswagen's throwing money at quantum scape, right. You know, yeah. why not throw, and then they're Goshen, um, you know, a, a Chinese company. They're throwing like real dollars into it. GM, you know, is throwing billions of dollars at autonomous vehicle um, technology. Uh, they, I mean, will are, need to are they start looking thinking, at? Are they looking at like reports from Morgan Stanley and such, and just thinking, okay, this is the market's going to play out like this? Are they? Are they, they really don't have sort of a kind of more internally investigative uh, process for for where these markets are going or I, I can't I can't say specific I mean, I'm, I'm being a bit flippant in, in, in saying this but the narrative for a long period of time for lithium 
was the price is going down and there were, there were lots of loud voices with credible brand names saying you don't have to worry lithium's abundant you also had companies like sqm who were um feeding that false narrative and, and actually elon musk it may be his own uh worst enemy here saying that lithium's he's not worried about lithium right yeah and and you can point to us for i mean for <laughs> for a couple of years we uh i'm pointing to myself here for anyone listening i you know we we sort of you know we we sort of went with the sort of the the talking point of you know the markets play themselves out markets you know they respond to demand uh investment comes in when there's demand uh you know it was more when in the past couple of years when there was more indication that this is a long process this is not a one to two year ramp up period this is a, a decade long ramp up period and you have to have a longer vision and and like you said comments by elon who you know highlights okay it's very abundant yes but can you easily get it at a good price like that's the, the sort of question the question and um yeah i don't know well this is i was hoping to get an update from you saying oh yeah people have woken up after these presentations with the, there's Look, a lot it, it is it, it is advancing i mean let, let's let's not i don't want to um gm and and volkswagen and ford and others are making big investments in the ev future there's no question about it. And they understand. And in Power Day, uh, Volkswagen showed, you know, from mine, you know, to EV and all the steps along the way. So they internally kind of like understand, but they haven't solved this problem, right? There's, they're just solving other problems. I think part of Power Day was, and Volkswagen being the most advanced, I wouldn't at all be surprised to see GM and Ford do it because they got a big bump in their stock price, right? Volkswagen. Yeah, yeah. They in, 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 in ish, an issue that the legacy automakers have had is that they're competing on a you know cost of, uh, cost of capital basis. You know, they have, they're at a disadvantage now versus Tesla, who could raise money at very low cost of capital. So Power Day has has gotten and. Quite frankly, I bought GM stock over the, you know a few months ago, um, on the, the the thesis that you know that people are not valuing what they're doing with LG and and Ultium and and yeah. they're they're, think- they're they're assuming they're going to fail. And if you mm-hmm. were to value their EV business separately, in line with you know a quantum like is it is it really legitimate for QuantumScape to have a similar market cap to GM? I don't, I don't think so. Um, so, and I'll I just say, you know, we covered QuantumScape like seven years ago or something. So it's been on the, it's been on the radar for a long time. So, I mean, yeah, uh, the fact that it's getting more investment is notable, but the fact that it doesn't have commercially viable batteries in, in cars that you can buy is also notable. So it's an interesting, you know, um, it's an interesting, interesting dichot- it's an it's an interesting dichotomy though that Volkswagen is very focused on solid state as you know the be all end all in future and they're actually focused on you know synthetic graphite which is is dirty it comes from fossil it's more expensive um, whereas te- whereas Tesla is focused on um, you know just advancing the lithium ion battery with the with the forty six eighty and they're not you know paying homage to um, yeah. to solid state so. It, it is very interesting in that regard. Um, I think natural graphite, like I mentioned, this kind of nouveau monde is it's important. Like the, the graphite part of the, the battery I've come to know in the past a little bit in the past, you know, few months. Um, uh, just synthetic graphite is is more expensive and dirty and a lot coming from China. So natural graphite is an underappreciated, you know, so this whole Quebec, you know, and um you know, Scandinavia, the hydro uh, um, uh, power, uh, you know, so Nouveau Monde and a couple of companies in the, in the lithium space. I think Quebec has like, like critical elements and, and Ontario frontier lithium. These companies, again, talking about that kind of lithium triangle, um, there's, uh, you, you're going to see more interest um, in those themes um and and car companies that are in michigan or elsewhere are just going to kind of look around and 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 say okay yeah this this kind of makes sense um 
they, yeah, they well, should be I, part of our supply chain. Yeah, I, I've seen a bit of a presentation on Nouveau Monde that I thought was quite fascinating and compelling. Uh, but uh, yeah, with the Volkswagen thing, I th- I think like you said, there's um, there's a kind of there's kind of a narrative that Tesla's so far ahead on everything, and then there was also people in the battery industry know cattle, LG, Chem are doing stuff you know that's very similar. So I think Volkswagen's presentation was a very good marketing um, process to show, okay, look, we're also working on this, 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 and this, just like Tesla. Uh, with our partners and it sort of woke up it seems like it woke up a bit of the market to hey they're not that far behind okay they're behind maybe but they're not that far behind they're not doing maybe the exploratory lithium uh, clay extraction but they've got the sell to pack sell to chassis goals in in their timeline so i think that it it will be interesting to see if ford and gm kind of try to follow follow that as well and and say look we're also doing all this stuff you know but uh but there's also a lot of other matters. I think VW has some sort of an alliance with uh, Ford. Um, GM is uh, doing their own thing, um, but LG Chem is a very significant partner. So whereas an LG Chem, LG Chem's fighting with SK Innovation, you know, in America, uh, but LG Chem announced like another four and a half billion dollars. There's a little bit of a worry that LG Chem will have a near monopoly outside of Tesla in the United States if this. SK thing, um, you know, doesn't play out well. Uh, but but and LG Chem is very much, um, you know, partnered with GM. So that that's interesting. What's also interesting, Volkswagen. They're the they're the company that brought us the Volkswagen Beetle, and then they and then the Volkswagen Golf, right? So the every man car. So they are very focused on that with their ID three. And their ID four, and I think that's also why they, they, they focused a lot on this like LFP um, for the entry level car, the, the, the LFP battery, which, yeah. which um, it'll be a which is the same. It's the same approach Tesla took after people. I mean, Tesla didn't take that approach for a long time, and Tesla fans sort of criticized it as a stupid approach for a long time, and then Tesla took that approach starting last year because they realized they needed it for their. L- lower range, standard range, Model 3. Uh, I'm not sure about Model I, Y. I, 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 to be honest, I think what's driving that more than anything is like kind of nickel scarcity and cobalt yeah. scarcity, right? And they basically said, you know, if they had their druthers, they would much prefer, right, the higher range, you know, but but one is it's not available in, in size and, and then the price. But I think when Volkswagen talked about, you know, I don't know, the a 50%, you know, cost reduction, right? It, it wasn't exactly apples to apples with Tesla because they were factoring in, I guess, many more entry-level vehicles uh, in their mix um, yeah. and a lot of those, you know, LFP. Um, so anyhow. It is, I, and I, I, just on the Gulf, I just note for, you know, Americans don't realize uh, how big the Gulf is. I think somebody commented the other day that the Gulf has been the top selling car in Europe for like 17 years or something. It's like, uh, it, mm-hmm. uh, it's, 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 an, it's everywhere in Europe. It's, it is the, it's, it's the Toyota uh, Corolla plus the Honda, uh, Accord or something of, of, of Europe, you know, combined it's, it's all over the place. So you, I think that's a really interesting and apt point you make that I hadn't thought too much about that Volkswagen is, you know, going to be hyper-focused on that every man segment and, and we see that with the id3 and id4 a bit already absolutely and i don't think i mean that is they have lots of brands but this is very much uh, a, a core part of their identity whereas um you know tesla you know focused on you know make the expensive car you know kind of get to the model three but you know rodney argues why like Tesla's going to wait to compete at that level. There's no reason for them, you know, to cannibalize profitable premium, you know, segment cars to, to rush to, to the mass market. It's not part of Tesla's brand to have to be in the mass market. Yes, it's their mission to, you know, accelerate sustainable energy. Um, but I, I think it's going to be a while before that happens. And yes, they're using LFP in China for the Chinese market. Uh, again, we, 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 we did a video about this. Rodney does not think that um, Europe or the United States are going to allow uh, en masse 
um, shipping LFP, you know, low range model threes from China to Europe um, and the US to compete with, you know, Volkswagen's ID3. There's going to be barriers to They are shipping from China already. Right now, it's a small amount. Yeah. Like uh, in size, uh, we think that. Europe is not Europe is not going to allow Volkswagen. Right. Germany is not going to allow Volkswagen to go out of business because Tesla's, you know, <laughs> exporting cheap Chinese, um, you know, yeah. Model Threes. It's just not going to yeah. happen. And I mean, they, when they have the Berlin Gigafactory up, theoretically, that would be supplying the European market. Um, but yeah, it, interesting. It, it, it is. It is. But I don't think that they're going to go to their Model Two um, in the yeah. in the near term. To where they could be more profitable in the other segments, right? That's interesting. But we'll see. This is fascinating. Uh, but, but raw material, raw material availability may drive production decisions. Right. Right. I think he wants to build the, the cyber and the semi, right, uh, which are very high nickel, uh, but those have been a bit slow to develop because he's he says. You know, it, it all depends on battery um, cell availability, right? So he he, he yeah, needs to accelerate he said that recently. You know, ba- ba- battery production, uh, but I I can't help but think that ramping up batteries will like the raw materials could be limiting factors to that. So before committing to too many cyber and semi sales, he needs to know that um, uh, you know the raw materials are are, are going to be available and. You know, so yeah, it's, I mean, it's he's, to be seen. he said, I think it was on the last conference call, it said recently that they basically could be producing the semi right now, except they don't have enough battery production capacity. I think he basically said that, you know, they, they said, you, you, the you, said you, need, you, you need five times as much battery, but you can't charge five times as much for a semi. So yeah, yeah, make right. more make more model threes yeah. and, and, and model wives. And we interviewed um, Jerome Guillen two years ago, actually just this week, two years ago. Um, and he, he was the one who had the idea for the semi, led the semi project. He was president of, of automotive when we interviewed him, but apparently the light, latest, um, one of the latest SEC filings indicated his, his now head of heavy trucking or something. Um, right. so, so he's shifted to 100% focus on that instead of overseeing all the automotive business, it seems like, according to the latest filing. Uh, and that is his project. That's his baby. And it, and it seemed like back then, even, like they're practically, you know, like they were, I, I think they could have started producing, you know. It's just, it's been this battery supply holdup for the past couple of years, it seems like, and uh, definitely the past year, I think. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting, like, I don't know. I mean, it seems like even Tesla feels, it feels like to me, they even have a challenge securing what they need in the, in a, in a adequate time frame. I don't know, but uh, I guess to close out, what's your, what's your then outlook? What do you, what should we look for, watch for? And one specific thing, like you mentioned some small deals being made with automakers, BMW, Volkswagen, uh, LG Chem. You know, when you see a headline, you're like, oh, look, this is they're getting serious. They made a battery deal. But it's not it, until you put it in the context of, well, what does this mean in the broader picture? Is this, you know, is this a penny or is this a hundred dollar bill? Uh, is this a big thing or a small de- deal? You know, what should we what do you think we should look for? And in terms of deals, is there anything we should we should specifically be you know, keeping an eye out for? I think, um, look, you're going to interview Rodney and he'll speak more about Europe, but I think Europe is, uh, uh, has been a bit more coordinated for a bit longer. Uh, Biden administration will, will kind of pick this up in, in the United States, but um, this European uh, battery Alliance and the European raw material Alliance, they're setting aspirations that you need to kind of localize uh, supply. I think they've even said 80% of lithium, for example, needs to be sourced within Europe, which is impossible um, in the time frame that they're that, that they're talking about. But the fact that it's a big aspiration means that Volkswagen BMW will need to sort it out. And as a result of that, there are some projects. Um, there's one client of ours, you know, European Metals Holdings, um, you know, that's in the Czech Republic. And there's a few others like- Was it European Savannah. Metals Holdings? 
You said? European Metals Holdings, which is a you know a hard rock mine in the Czech Republic. It's like right smack in the middle of um, you know <laughs> Central Europe. Um, you know, but there are a few other projects that I would not at all be surprised to see major you know Western you know OEMs uh, signing you know offtake deals. Um, what was the second or, one? You or, or, or or maybe making investments directly you know in, in in the mines or or chemical plants. Like might you see Tesla build, you know, hydroxide or Volkswagen build hydroxide or, you know, carbonate lithium plants in, in Europe, you know, might they, some of them have done deals for nickel, I think, uh, you know, with Russia, I think you'll just see, you're going to see more of that uh, coming up. Um, Volkswagen talks about all of the, they have lots of different partnerships on the charging side, they have partnership with QuantumScape, but they don't have partnerships yet with, mine or chemical companies, uh, except for that MOU with Ganfeng that they announced. But, you know, in this world of China and ex-China, it, 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 the optics of, um, you know, a German company saying we're getting 100% of our lithium supply from a Chinese company, in my opinion, is untenable. So um, I wouldn't be surprised to see Volkswagen and BMW and Daimler, you know, and hopefully GM, you know, follow, uh, you know, what Tesla did, um, you know, in September and, uh, and getting, you know, you know, involved, but there, uh, I don't really want to name, there, there are a few other projects, you know, in, uh, you know, in Europe. And again, Rodney may be able to speak, you know, more about it, but I, I would look, I would expect to see things happen in Europe. I would expect to see some things happen in the United States and in Canada, you know, but again, to your, the point you reiterated that we make things take kind of like five to seven years, a company like critical elements, uh, another company that we, we represent, um, you know, they still need to get permitted, right. Fully permitted um, before they could. And that's, that's coming. That, that's, that, that, that's happening, but it's a process just like, you know, Elon Musk's, you know, may have whatever acres in, um, in Nevada, but with all the protests that are happening, you know, kind of in Nevada for mining projects, um, you just think about you know th that land. If he tries to advance that, even with salting the clay, he's got to go through the same you know um, process that everybody else has gone through, which which could take multiple multiple years. So um, I think you're more likely to see something out of uh, to, to look out for. Like Schlumberger actually made an investment uh, or announcement yesterday in Nevada for a direct lithium extraction. So like the standard lithiums, the E3. Um, you know, the Salton Sea, uh, they watch that space, um, not with not in a very near term time horizon, in my opinion, I think you're more likely to see hard rock deals done in the short term. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised to, to, to see more, um, you know, if there's some government backing to it, you know, so, we'll, we'll, we'll see. I mean, that's my and this is great stuff. Interview. I just I didn't mean specific projects and deals specific. I, I meant like um, what scale, like what are you hoping to see as far as scale of, of, uh, or, you know, we can talk about this with Rodney as well, but kind of scale of deal, like what's your sort of, you know, hope for, for how this increases, like how big of project of contracts and, and whatnot get signed. Um, like it would be great to see someone like Volkswagen say like I uh, they are going to you know write a 150 200 million dollar check to um, you know partly finance a 25 50,000 production um, you know lithium uh, company or, or sign it with more than one right uh, basically say we have we recognize that we will need, if you take their uh, 2030 objective just for Europe, okay, six plants of 40 gigawatt hours each, they require 220,000 tons of lithium by 2030. Okay. And they've that's currently, that, that's a lot. That, that's the market last year was 300,000. So that's 10, 20,000 ton projects, right? So if you could see them writing, if, if they're writing 100, 200 million dollar checks into QuantumScape or they're investing in, in Goshen and, you know, they could spend a billion dollars, okay? And 
secure 50,000, you know, 75,000 tons across multiple projects. And uh, I think they're, they're, Tesla's in the lead. Volkswagen is definitely number two. So I would expect to see it come from Volkswagen first, where you're, it's not just like BMW signed a deal with Live and you don't know what the terms are um, and no money changed hands. But you know, starting to see like partnerships, like BMW partnering with Livent, you know, in Namaska, for example, um, in Quebec, uh, that's a possibility. Um, I, I, and, I, and also I expect, take, I I expect mean, to see that this year. Similarly, that kind of scale deal from Tesla as well, right? Or you think that wouldn't be um, necessarily announced? To Tesla, to, to, uh, Tesla could do that. I mean, they, Tesla, um, you know, did a small deal, right? Um, you know, with, with, with Piedmont, but um, might Tesla do a more substantive deal? Possibly, very possibly, yeah. Well, this is great stuff, Howard. This is uh, this, honestly so much to chew on and digest that I think we'll have to, I'll have to listen to it again, and uh, <laughs> which I don't, I don't always, I don't often do. I seldom do, uh, but I think I have to listen to this again, and um, and we'll have some some stories coming out of it. Just really fascinating takes on policy, uh, supply, automakers, everything, the market, so investors. So thank you for your insights. And uh, we'll talk with Rodney next and compliment this with a podcast, podcast or two from Rodney as well. Zach, thank you very much. Really appreciate, uh, uh, you know, the, the time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Clean Tech Talk. Join us next time to get your electric fix. If you would like to sponsor our podcast, send us an email at accounts at cleantechnica.com. That's A-C-C-O-U-N-T-S at cleantechnica.com. Thanks. Walk, 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 walk,